please stand with me. Let's have a word of prayer. We thank you today, Lord, for the privilege of your love and your grace. And we thank you that you have allowed us to gather again in this place. For those that are here, we are thankful. Now, we thank you that our hearts have been prepared. May we hear the word of God. We pray today that you will bless us and be with us. We thank you that we have such a tremendous opportunity to gather and to fellowship and to just enjoy the company of those in this body as well as visitors and friends. We pray today that the word of God will speak to the hearts and that, Lord, we will allow the word to take us and to lead us into the glorious presence of the Almighty God. We thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8. Uh, two weeks ago when I was preaching, I did not finish one of the last parts in the chapter 7, but because of the time, I don't think I'm going to go back and just deal with that one point today, but we will... We're just going to go ahead and read the first nine verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Now, I use the ESV, the English Standard Version. You may use a different version, which is quite, quite fine. Um, yours may read just a little bit differently than my version. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. I'm going to read the first nine verses, 1 through 9. I want to give a, a special thank you to the food pantry ministry, just everybody that does so much, and then those that work all week long in gathering, you know, the food. And on Friday, they had another delivery, a special delivery. And oh, my goodness, I wanted to just, after I came back, I was just looking at all this stuff. I wanted to start taking stuff and eating it right there. And they had cookies and different things. That I, oh. So anyway, <laughs> thank you, Letitia. I think Letitia made a special call and got some extra things. This is how it reads in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. Who is like the wise? I need to ponder that question. Who is like the wise? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine. And the hardness of his face is changed. I say keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause. For he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. And who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps the command will know and will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun. 
when man had power over man to his hurt. May God bless the reading of his word. The title for this message is, How Will You Respond to the King? How will you respond to the king? How one responds is not only seen in their actions, but often in their countenance, their face. There are times when people just look guilty. Have you ever seen people, they just look guilty. Come around the corner and say, they're up to no good. What have you done? You've done something. Now what? Why are you blaming me? You just look guilty. You've done something. There are some people who just look guilty. You may have even asked someone, have you done something today that you need to repent of? What have you done? Now, if you have children, you know your children's looks. You know the look that I just got into trouble and I'm trying not to show it by my face. You know that something is wrong and you tell them, no, tell me and show me what you just did. I didn't do anything. Yes, you did. Show me. Okay. They know you know. Solomon's pattern, as we have seen, is to ask what we call rhetorical questions. He asks questions. What is a rhetorical question? A rhetorical question is a question that is asked where the answer is automatically implied by the way the question is asked. It's automatically assumed that the answer is whatever it is, whether it's a yes or a no. So the rhetorical question has the answer already implied. He asks questions, and one of the things that he does, he sometimes asks a question at the end of a chapter, And he sometimes doesn't answer that question until later on. But in chapter 8, he answers the question that he raises right there in the very first verse. Now, we have all faced challenges in life that has made us question things. And we have asked the question, well, who is in charge There are times when you want to know, who do I go to to complain? Or who do I go to to ask my question? Excuse me. I need to know who is in charge. It is noteworthy that the authority that we see people have today, we have noted in Petaluma and just recently here in some discussions, that ultimately all power that one has comes from God. In Romans chapter 13, you will find that the government gets its authority from God himself. So when we look at the authority of the police and we look at the authority of government, we're not talking about those who might abuse their power, those at times who may mismanage their power, but we note that power comes from The Almighty God, it is given, and we are to obey the laws of the land. And as we consider our actions and what we say and do, we need to check and see if we are responding in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Do you not know that you're going to have to give an account 
for every idle word that you say so that even when you are in your own house away from everyone, you're going to be held accountable for what you said. That's why it makes sense to be careful what you say. And when you say, Lord God, forgive me, I shouldn't have said it. Let me get this right. Even Solomon says, be careful what you say because a bird might take your words and go tell someone. It's a way of saying that be careful because you never know who might hear what you said. It might be taken. Under point number one, watch how you respond. One of the things that you notice in verse number one is that Solomon says, who is like the wise? Now, that question is a very important question because when you look at the question as who is like the wise, one of the things that you automatically have to assume is that a person has to be in the company of a person that they can learn from. Now, when Solomon says who is like the wise, you need to understand that he was the wisest man that ever lived. And it was because God asked him, Solomon, what is it that you want? Solomon, ask me what you want and I'll give it to you. Solomon says, I am just like a child among these people. I don't have an understanding mind. I want to have an understanding heart. The Bible says that it so pleased God Not only did God bless Solomon with wisdom that he said, Solomon, there's not going to be another person just like you before or after. And not only am I going to to bless you with wisdom, but I'm going to give you the very thing you didn't even ask for. I'm going to give you riches or wealth, and I'm going to give you a long life. But there's something that I want you to do. I want you to understand that you've got to follow My laws. Follow my decrees. Solomon learned from his father David. And one of the things that is so important, that as you read the book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, even though Solomon didn't write all the Proverbs, we know that he wrote over well over 3,000, you can can understand that some of that wisdom came because he listened to, To what his father had to say. Who is like the wise? He asked. And then he says. And who knows the interpretation of a thing? Now those are two questions that he poses. Your response is either through actions or words or both. You are going to give away how you feel about something By your actions, there are times when you really don't want to do something and you show it by how you do it. There are times when I don't want to do something at the house. My wife may ask me to do something. I don't want to do it. She's not here, so that's okay. Oh, there she is. She's sitting right there. And there are times when I would just delay. When do you need it done? That question automatically for me, to me, means I don't want to do it right now. Well, whenever you have time, (laughs) these are wide open. (laughs) Well, there's some dirt in the back of my car. 
I got some pretty heavy backs. Could you bring it in pretty soon? I'm watching this show. How soon do you need it? <laughs> well, tomorrow will be fine. Okay, I'll get it tomorrow. <laughs> but there are times when I may not want to do something. Or there are times when, when, when I, I say, I'll do it, and, but wait till the commercial. And so when the commercial comes on, I dash to the car, get what you need, and I'll take it out to the back. Then there are times when I don't mind. What do, what do you need? Yes, I'll get it. But we show what we want to do by our actions and by our faith. So when Solomon asks the question, who is like the wise and who knows the interpretation of a thing? He answers the question by saying, a man's wisdom makes his face shine. Oh. So by one's continence, one can oftentimes show their feelings, what they know, how they are going to respond. And one of the things that's also noteworthy is that some commentators mention that they believe that this is not dealing also, just dealing with the person who is um, maybe going to do something or who is responding, but it may be a reflection of the king himself. There are some who have different thoughts and feelings about who the author is referring to. A man's wisdom makes his face shine. When people hear you, they not only hear your words, but they are making an evaluation if, if your words and what you do matches what your face says. Does your words match your actions? Does your words match your face? Gestures of attitude go a long way. Your gestures go a long way. When a person cuts in front of you on the road, do you grimace and say, what are they doing? But I do know something very important, that if that person is to wave in their mirror, it will soften your face almost immediately. All they have to do is give a little wave like that. But if they do this, that's going to stir you up. And you're going to look for a, a time where you can pass them and look over at them. And let them know you are displeased by what they've done. But if they just wave, not only will you acknowledge, you'll even back off a little bit. Then when you go by, you might do one of these and not even look at them. Or you might go and just nod. There are different ways that people respond to things. So how does the wise respond? See, it's a wise person that evaluates situations and they determine what needs to be done. Wise people choose that which will diffuse a situation. Why is that important? Because if you're standing before the king... The king has ultimate authority and ultimate power. Man's wisdom makes his face to shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. When the Bible says that a man's face is changed, or it makes his face to shine, there's a passage in Numbers where it says, uh, and the Lord calls his face to shine upon you. It is a way of saying that God's grace, God's favor, be upon you. I believe that's what that's. Number 625, uh, where is that? There may be somewhere in Numbers. I don't have the, the chapter and verse right in front of me, but someone could find it. You can call it out. But, but when the Bible says, may God's face 
shine upon you. That number six twenty-five. Thank you. Uh, it, it, it is a way of showing God's favor. You need to understand that you want God's face to shine upon you. You don't want God's face as king to frown. Now, why is this significant? If you're dealing with a person who has ultimate authority and ultimate power, your life can be in that person's hand. And how you respond makes all the difference. (laughs) You learn from being around. One of the things I'm grateful for my parents in growing up is that they told me and taught me how to respect authority. That, that goes a long way, long ways. How you respond to authority. I couldn't just respond any way to my elders. When I was growing up in this church, any adult that was a member of this church could tell me something and I had to do it. I could not say, what you talking about, old person? The thought of even saying that scares me today. (laughs) You didn't talk that way to elders. Anyone. And if you got out of line, they had permission to swat you on your behind. I recall my mom had the nerve to tell one of my teachers, if he gets out of line, you can get him. (laughs) No, don't tell her that. She might just believe you. There was a teacher by the name of Miss Barity who would get a ruler, do one of these numbers to the closet. Me and Bug Beecham were always in that closet. (laughs) Always in that closet. You all acting like you all brave when you go walking. (laughs) You get in the closet. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. Don't give me a plan. Sorry. Come on out, ain't nothing happened like you all cool. You scared to death. Trying to hide sight in front of your friends. They know what was going on in that closet. <laughs> Teachers have permission and they would get you. Today, I tell you, our society is so mixed up. What has happened? There has been a change From that which is wise. Who is like the wise? Well, that's changed so that students no longer fear adults. And students right now tell teachers what to do. There was recently a teacher that was hit by a student because the teacher took his phone. Got caught on video. How ridiculous. I couldn't imagine hitting an adult because they asked or took something that you shouldn't have had out in the first place. Put it away, put it away, give it here, boom, and it's okay, it doesn't make sense. And this is one of the things that Solomon is saying also when you look back at, back at his writings. He's saying there are things that are hard to understand. What has happened? There has been a move away from the things of God. Who is like the wise? That person will take note of his ways and his actions. They will look and see, oh, I need to make sure I understand. Because even today, what people don't realize is that one day they're going to be standing, those same ones, before the Almighty God and have to give account for what it is that they have done. Point number two. 
Your response to the king matters. Verses 2 through 6. Disagreeing with someone and being respectful and disagreeing with someone in authority and being rude will often result in two different outcomes. There's a way to be able to disagree with someone and yet be respectful. Me and my dad didn't agree on everything, but we could have conversations, we could have discussions. It didn't have to be rude, we just didn't always agree on certain things, certain political points at times, but there were discussions that we could have behind closed doors. Well, well, well you thought this, well, and we had that, we were able to have that, but growing up, I couldn't do that. You know, that there was a line, but, but as I became a man. But one of the things that we used to have that was wonderful, we would have those family talks, and they would say, you can say anything that's on your mind. Anything that's on your heart, you could say. And they meant it. We weren't rude about it. There was a line that still had to be maintained. But we could say what was on our mind. And so we sit in the living room and we have those conversations. You know, there are times when you need to do that with your kids or your family. Just have the time when they can say what ever needs to be said. How they feel. You'll be surprised. And do you not know my parents heard some some pretty heavy things and they didn't stop us. In the church family those things need to happen as well. But we need to be careful how it's done. Need to be careful. I say to you in verse 2, keep the command, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. Your response to the king matters. As I was mentioning to you, the authority of the kings in Solomon's day, the king's command was supreme. It is believed by some commentators that when the king mentions I say keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Some believe that Solomon is referring to his father David and what the Lord told him back in 2 Samuel chapter 7. If you read that chapter, you will discover that David wanted to build the temple for God, he says, or a house for God to dwell, the temple. David says, I have lived in a house and I want to do this. And the, and the Bible says that he told Nathan, Nathan says, go ahead and do it. King, what your heart desires. But the Lord came back to Nathan and says, no, tell David that he's not to be the one to build the temple. And then the Lord laid out some things to him. It is believed that when he mentions God's oath to the king, it is possible that Solomon is reflecting back to his own father and what the Lord told him. That's tremendous. Because it means that Solomon heard from his father what, it was to ha- what was to happen, because it was Solomon, in fact, who was the one that built the temple. That's a wonderful thing when one wants to do something good. Isn't it great when you want to do something good for the Lord, and the Lord says, no, have a good thing. I have someone else that's going to do that. It's a blessing when a person has a desire to serve God and to bless him and to do a work for him, and the Lord says, oh, that's a good thing, but I have another person I'm going to have to do this, but this is how I'm going to have you involved. 
You see, some people, they get upset and pout because they want to do that. And, and you say, no, I got somebody. No, I'm fine. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Now, that's a person that's not wise. That's a person that you can't tell them much. But it's a good thing when a person can just pause and says, well, is there anything that I can do that would help you along the way? You see, that's one of the things that we've got to understand. And so Solomon, and so it is, as the word comes, he says, I say, keep the king's command. Why? The first reason is because of God's oath to the king. The Lord has given an oath to the king, and it is important to note that we have to understand that he represents God. And because you have to answer to the king, you are also obeying the Lord God Almighty. He says, be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand. As you look at these verses here, the idea of do not be quick to leave the king's command It is that there is possibly a plot against the king. A person is planning to do evil. Be careful that you don't run after people who is planning danger. There are sometimes people that's just waiting to do something wrong. And what Solomon says, be careful that you don't don't link up with people who have a conspiracy against the king. Because the king's word is final, and he might just take your life. Now, you remember as he's writing in these days, what the king said, that was it. There was no appeal to any other authority. And when you consider this, you've got to understand the reference ultimately is to who? God himself. Have you ever seen in our world today so many people challenging God? They, they challenge God in, in such a way as if they have power. They, 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 they challenge God in such a way as if they can cause God to do something that they want him to do. Do you realize that you stand here today and people stand today with no authority? All authority comes from God. And there are people that may be plotting to try to overthrow him. All the craziness that we see in the world today, understand this. God allows evil to go on for such a while and then finally says, enough. When God says enough, you want to make sure you're on the right side. So, be careful for the king's command is supreme. And who may say to him, "Uh, what are you doing? Now, my dad sometimes would say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Or what were you thinking about? If he had that question, what possessed you to do that? And your response is at that time is not with the wise. Uh, I don't know. You really don't want to say what you might have been thinking. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't thinking. I know you must be out of your cotton picking mind. I understand that phrase. I didn't understand it back then. <laughs> You must be out of your cotton-picking mind. There are some things today that we've got to understand that we have a responsibility to do that which is honoring to the kingdom, and we must not be involved in measures that seek to do that which is wrong. Be hasty not to go from the king's presence and weigh carefully what you do. Weigh carefully. Why? Because of the king's authority. Now, this is a warning to not 
join forces nor consult with those who have evil schemes. The idea here seems to suggest that a conspiracy is taking place. Don't be a part of it because of the king's command. Now, when you get to verse number 7, and because of my time, when you get to verse number 7, this is what, well, let me, let me do this. Let me look at verse number 6. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. Verse number 6 should reference you back to chapter 3 when we talk about there's a time for everything under the sun. He says here, for there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. One of the wonderful things about Solomon is that Solomon was a man that, that he says, I'm going to test everything by wisdom. He went from testing the, the things of the, of the wise all the way to choosing that which was folly. And he then gave us the comparison, and he, then he told us all the different things. But the one thing, the thing that he keeps making a strong point on is that there were things, when we talk about the word Habel, those things that were just hard to understand. There were things that were just very difficult to understand. For him, there are certain things that he, he, could, he could see, but it didn't make sense. How sometimes those that are wicked seem to have a long life, and those that were living righteously, their life was cut short. He couldn't understand why that was. Then as he began to address things, and he goes on, he begins to say, Oh, but there's a day that was coming for those that had done wrong that their days were cut. And I discovered that it was better to be with those in, who had done right and those who are in the place of the wise because they honored God. And so he, he, made, he looked at this, but he comes to, the, comes to the conclusion that eventually those that are doing wrong are eventually cut off. Verse number seven. For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him? How it will be. This verse links back to chapter 6, verse 12. Turn back just a couple of chapters to chapter 6, and I want you to look at verse number 12. Now, I want you to note this. In chapter 6, verse 12, it reads, For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? Now go back to chapter 8, verse 7. For he does not know what is to be. He's now answering that question. Back in chapter 6, many believe. For he does not know what is to be. Who can know? He doesn't know he's telling him. For who can tell him how it will be? You see, in the Bible, the Bible was not written with chapter and verse division. When they wrote, it was on a scroll and just wrote, written straight through. And so when they would read scripture or the passages, they oftentimes unrolled a scroll and read and found the place where they wanted to read from. And so even though we, this is wonderful to have divisions here, is to help us to find things, but when we look at Solomon, he, he does a tremendous thing. He, he will raise questions, as I said earlier, 
and sometimes answers the questions in the past, and then he will even project in the future and answer the question further on. So there are times when he raises a question back here, and further on he gives a very simple or an answer to something that he had just noticed before. In Proverbs chapter 27, 1, let's just briefly go there before we bring this to an end in the next few minutes. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1. This is what it says. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. One of our friends, well, Mel's friends, is a pastor, had retired and was planning to enjoy his retirement, worked, and soon after his retirement, he died, went on to his reward, worked a long time and was now about to enjoy his retirement, but died. There are times when we plan for things, but the Lord has a different plan. And it makes sense to make sure that one is in Christ. Because if the Lord calls you home, you haven't lost anything. You've really gained eternity. And and, and so even though you might have been planning for retirement, it might just be the Lord's way of saying your work is done. Come on now to your reward. Now this was his plan. But the great king had a different plan for him. You don't know what God has planned for you. Be sure you are in his will. Quickly, let me get through this next couple, next verse or so, and we'll end. Verse 8, no man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. The word spirit has three possible meanings, they say, spirit, ruah, breath, or wind. In the context here, it is believed that it means the breath of life, breath as compared to wind. In this matter, what it is believed is that a person does not have the ability to control their the day that they live or give up their life, their breath ends or their life comes to an end. We see that later. But one cannot even control how one receives even, let's say, the spirit. When the Bible talks about the spirit as even being the wind, it's like the wind in the sense of you never know what the Lord may do or the wind does. When we think about just the natural wind, the wind sometimes will blow this way. It'll go over here. You can't control the wind, only God. But when we think about the breath of life that's within us, the breath of life, and we got into a a discussion on, on Wednesday about this. We were talking about when did man become an eternal being? And so we had this great discussion, and, and I said, well, I believe not when the Lord formed man, but it's when he breathed into the nostrils the breath of life. And so when we think about here, it's speaking of the breath of life. We think about God's breath. God gives life to people, and the Lord can cause that breath to come back to himself at any He can choose to take that life. But remember this. When we leave this earth, the body goes back to the grave or to the dust, but the spirit 
either go be with the Lord or to the place of eternity. Finally, I'll say this. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. One of the things that one has to be careful of is that if one is engulfed or wrapped up in wickedness, wickedness will not just let you go. Just like you can't be discharged from war when a war is going on, when the, in the battle you can't say, oh, I, I want to take uh, my leave right now. There is no release from that. When one is, is engulfed or wrapped up in wickedness, be careful because wickedness does not easily let you go. And so one has to be careful in what one does. And so one of the things as we stand here today and sit here today, we've got to recognize that when we stand before the Almighty King, we need to understand and make sure that we know that he's the one that controls our destiny. The King has life and death in his hands. Verse 9 summarizes the first, verse, the first eight verses of chapter 8, even though some commentators believe that it actually deals with chapter, you know, verse, uh, verses 10 and on. But many believe that the first eight verses of chapter 8 is summed up in, cha- in verse number 9. What do you do when you stand before the king? How do you answer the king? What will your response be to the king, knowing that the king has ultimate authority. There are several things that Solomon struggled with and dealt with. But one of the things that he was very clear on is that God is completely in control. And it is a wise person that will understand and watch what they do and recognize that one has to give an account one day to the king. Where do you stand today in your life? If the Lord was to call you out of this world right now, would you be prepared to meet him? If the Lord says, I want you to give me an update on your life, what would it be? What would you say? How would you answer? If you stood before the king right now, would his face shine? What would the countenance of the great king be right now? If you stood there. Well, If you got concerns, you can just say, Lord, I'm not sure, but I want it to be okay. What do I need to do? Say, I understand you have all authority and power, so I understand that must mean you have the ability to forgive me. So I pray and ask that you forgive me of my sins now, so that I can stand before you, so that you don't see me, but that you see me covered By the fact that Christ died for me and the blood that covers my life. You see, that's what the Lord wants to see. He wants to make sure that you're covered. (laughs) Sure that you stand before him covered by the blood. And that is done by simply saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. And I accept Your wonderful gift. Would you bow your heads with me? A lot of people try to make it out to be a lot that you've got to do. You've got to jump through hoops. No, all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I don't understand it all, but I want to stand in the presence of the king and have him smile and not have 
and down continents because of my life. So if there's anybody in this place that says, Lord, I want to make sure all you have to do is say, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you. So this is what I'm going to do. For those that want to say, just in your heart, God, forgive me. I'm sorry for how I have responded to your grace and kindness. I didn't know, but now I do. And I pray that you will have mercy upon me and cover me. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Make me whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. Amen. Have a wonderful day.